Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Celtics. And John, let's just start it off in the rightest of ways, which is to wish our good friend Mike Gorman a happy 70th birthday. I know they mentioned it on the broadcast the other night, and then obviously Kyle Draper fills in for the Indiana game, and we'll talk about Kyle in a second, but you know, Mike has been a longtime good friend of the show, a supporter, somebody who felt like we were early to this podcasting project a long time ago, and certainly we were, John. Obviously now it's uh, everywhere and quite popularized, but I will just say Nobody, maybe more than Mike Gorman, supported our early efforts. I know it's been a while since we had him on the show. Certainly we should reach out to him when, uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks or over the course of the season, we've got to fit in a few interviews. I know that's not really our format anymore, but Mike is a huge friend and he's been a great supporter and it's hard to believe he's 70 and the work that he's done over all these years, um, you know, the various versions of what is now uh, CSN Boston, um, CSNBC, sorry, is now, uh, you, you NBC know, Boston, actually. NBC Boston, there we go. See, <laughs> that's, what you, that's what you get from an out of market guy. But then, I mean, what, what was it? Sports Channel at one time? I can't yeah. remember yeah. all that. So, uh, um, all I'm saying is he's been doing it a long time and he does it pretty well. And it's until somebody else steps into the booth that you remember just how good and how talented Mike Gorman is. And, you know, I remember when we get to the Kyle stuff, I remember he came on about a year and a half ago to talk about and during our off-season interview series, you know, just the difficulties of that job and some things that he learned in his early career. So we'll revisit, you know, some of that as we talk about it. But, uh, you know, probably you want to say a couple of nice things about Mike as well. Just a couple. No, I, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, outside of you and me and JB – um, there, there probably wasn't a bigger supporter of what we were doing. I, I, I include probably Jeff Clark in that. I think Jeff Clark from Celtics blog was a, a huge supporter of ours in the early Absolutely going, but he was, but probably outside Jeff. I mean, if there's a five, I think our, the fifth member of our dream team is probably, you know, Mike Gorman and willing to come on the show and giving us credibility when a time when we didn't deserve it, probably. Um, <laughs> and, and he was not only a big supporter of ours, but actually was the, the only reason we've I've told the story often. The first time the three of us actually met, we'd done the show for well over a year at that point, if not a year and a half, and we had met 
in person and it wouldn't have happened without Mike. So Mike literally brought us to, we did the show together. So we, we, way we brought ourselves together, but to literally put us in the same room, it took Mike Gorman. So, um, that's a little bit of, uh, history there, but no, I, you know, look, it's kind of funny because you listen to a lot of the interviews Mike does and we've talked with him a lot. And he always has kind of a, a bit of a detachment from those early Celtics years when you and I kind of got hooked, the bird era. And for me, I think of Mike Gorman and the Boston Celtics as just synonymous. Um, Big East as well. And certainly as a, as a college basketball fan, I, I watched a lot of those games going back to the eighties when, when the Big East was just the end all be all. Um, you know, probably only second to what was going on in the NBA. And Mike was really at the heart of both of those things. But as we talk to him now and talking about those kind of 1980s, you know, the bird era and, and then in the nineties when he only did the home games. There's a detachment there, I and mean, it's kind of interesting because, you know, for us, we he's just so synonymous. I mean, for 40 years almost, uh, he is uh, the Boston Celtics. Watching a Boston Celtics broadcast is as much about Mike Gorman as it is the Shamrocks and the Boston Garden and the and the parquet floor. Mike Gorman is, is a part of uh, the history that is a part of that, and it's it's amazing for a guy who started out growing up in Dorchester, crawling up the back staircase to get into the to, to sneak into the games, and he's as much a part of it as as Tommy Heinsohn is a guy who you know obviously is synonymous with the franchise for you know 60 plus years now um it, it's one of the coolest things in the world is when my kids and and you know you, you your daughters and you know we did this before our kids were born and now my kid my son my oldest is 11 we watch a game and Mike's on the screen. I'm like, oh yeah, there's Mike, you know. And my kids are like, yeah, you know Mike Gorman, you know. And it's like, whoa, like that's, and he's just such an icon in this area. And uh, not only, not only is he as a great broadcaster and great at telling a story and letting the story breathe, but he's a great. He's he's probably even better off the air. He's better as as just the interpersonal relationship. He's a better and, human uh, being. Just love the guy. Straight yeah. up, yeah, he's a great human being, and uh, there's just so many things you could say about him, and um, and we've said them <laughs> many times over the years. Yeah. So happy 70th birthday to you! Uh, really a legend and uh, inspiration to John and I, and then obviously lending your support. So happy birthday, Mike. Let's. Talk about his replacement for the Indiana game, Kyle Draper. You want to do a little review of Kyle's performance? Because it is shocking to hear a different voice on TV. I know it's <laughs> it's happened before, right? It happened with, uh, if you remember, Gary Tangway stepped in. And uh, I don't think we gave Gary rave reviews. I think we're going to – I sense we're going to take it a little bit easier on Kyle. He had to settle in. I'll tell you, my initial impression was – that at the beginning of the at the outset of the game he was trying to be a little bit more Sean Grandy than Mike Gorman and if you do remember back in the day when or not back in the day but back at the in the off-season interview series when I spoke with Mike one of the things he said was that he had to learn how over the years that they were already watching the game so he didn't need to describe it like you might on radio and he even said Sean Grandy's got a much harder job in many respects because he has to his voice has to be your eyes uh and in television that's not the case and Mike said stand, sitting back a little bit and letting the uh letting the viewer fill in the gaps with their eyes and not just talking over every single play was a talent and so at first I got the sense Kyle was not really following 
following that, but he corrected quickly. I will say, and uh, there was some banter between him and Scal. I'll let you kind of give your thoughts before we talk about that. But there was some banter between him and Scal that I thought got under Scal's skin for a minute there too. I mean, he didn't make mention of it, but you could you could almost hear it in the uh, in the silence that that ensued for a minute from Scal. But but just yeah. give your overall take on on Kyle's job. I I think that that the big thing that I thought absolutely I'd agree with you. He in the early going he was there was there was nerves, there was definitely uh, trying to get too much in, you know, and eventually he settled into just sitting down watching the game with a guy he knows and describing the action. You know what I mean? It was like he tried to put on an air about him and then he just kind of settled back and let Kyle be Kyle. And that, I think that's why I like the way Mike does it is you, you know, I, you know, you don't know. It feels people, like you're sitting on the couch next to the guy just watching the game. Absolutely. absolutely. And, and that's what Mike's great at is he's just, you know, and he'll give you a little, little taste of it, but he's not going to, you know, go, you know, kind of talking head on you. And I thought that was the nice thing that Kyle does. That sometimes when Kyle's job when he's in the studio, sometimes is to, to, to play devil's advocate, to kind of push back on Tommy, push back on Scal. And he did that. He did that, but it wasn't in, in a, in the, in the same vein, in the same way. Uh, he used a different skill set. I was very impressed. I mean, as you said, we were not kind when, when Gary had to fill in for Mike a couple of years back. When what he was, was his Mike choice was, word? Because I know Kyle kind of relied on, why, why not? not? Why not? Why not? That is hilarious. I'll All right. So why not? Kyle did bang, bang, bang. And I remember talking to Gary. He came yeah. on as a guest and we mentioned yeah. that and we kind of teased him a little bit about that night. And when he filled in and he even said, you know, not really my, my forte necessarily, but that he had made a point of there needs to be a catchphrase. You have to have something that you say. And so he went with why not? And, uh, you know, obviously he got shredded for it. Now Kyle went with bang, bang, bang versus Mike's got it, which, you know, Mike's is. That's great. He's got it down. He nailed. Now, am I in love with Bang Bang Bang? No, I'm not in love with it, but it didn't annoy me. Uh, I know there were some people that I saw were kind of like, ah, that was kind of annoying. But the reason it didn't annoy me was two twofold. One, he didn't say it like the way that Gary overdid the why not. You know, Gary was so over the top with the why not. Um, I felt like Kyle's Bang 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 was still – you know, kind of like in the flow. Uh, still wouldn't go with bang, 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 but it did annoy me because he also didn't, not only did he not go over the top when he said bang, 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 but he also didn't like overuse it. It wasn't like every good play, he was bang, 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 you know, like, so. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and let me just say this. The, the older members of, of the, uh, the listening audience, all five of you, uh, and Justin and I, Look, bang! That's that is that's that's ta- that's that's Johnny Johnny Most right there. You know, you know that's uh, you know burn from the corner, bang! You know that's that's what that is. And so, you know, I don't know if that was intentional on Kyle's part. I'd love to know if he was trying to kind of bring that back, um, but and it didn't hit me until you said it, honestly. Right now, because I just heard it, I'm like, okay, that's his thing, and, and for whatever, it flowed naturally. That was the nice thing about his broadcast; it just kind of happened, and it wasn't like fits and starts, which is the way. Yeah, when, he's when, genuine. 
He's genuine. I mean, to your point, even the character he has to play in studio isn't like the character that Gary Tangway feels like he has to play in studio. Absolutely. Right. And so he was able to kind of back off of that, just be him and him and Scal kind of put, you know, kind of matching wits a bit, which was good stuff. But I, I think the other thing about that, you know, like I said, if he's bringing back Bang, that's that's kind of a funny story too with Mike because Mike, you know, that was the one thing that Johnny Most told him is that you got to have a you got to have a catchphrase, you got to have something, you know. And he says, "Well, mine's you know." And of course, Mike knew this, having you know been a, a follower of the team for decades at that point. Said, so, you know, obviously he can't do bang, so he, you know, got it was his thing, and it obviously that's his. So, and I don't know what the conversation. We'd love to know how that kind of if there was some interplay there about what to use or how to use it, but. I think it's it's ingenious. If it is purposeful, all the more credit to uh, to Kyle. But I think even more credit goes to him just for the simple fact of throwing it in there, making it his own thing, and not having it be a distraction. So you couldn't you know really enjoy the rest of the game. It is on a Saturday night. Uh, you know, there's really no on a back end of a back to back. What a better way for somebody to kind of step into this uh, role is kind of the fill in for Mike. Yep, absolutely. I thought Kyle did, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll give him a seven slash eight and he didn't fall yeah. into the trap that many people do where it's their first opportunity and then they make it about them because they're trying to make a point. Hey, I'm on the scene and they didn't do that. So right. I don't know if we want to get into the scal stuff. Maybe I'll just ask you, did you notice the same thing when Kyle was kind of fooling around with him about, you know, their little one on one matchup and playing in the, you know, not the Y League, but you know what I mean. Just playing, playing around and all that. Uh, did you notice that that Scal, Scal got a little like offended on a couple of occasions? <laughs> I think he, you know. I think he he has to wear that. I'm not a good NBA player to such a degree. But when somebody who is not of that caliber, he does. You know, the, the first stone stands up on the back of Scal's neck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he he's, that's not something. Not he's his gonna, thing. He's gonna he's gonna put up with. You know? No, I, yeah, I did notice that. That's so, good. I love it. They I have good it. chemistry, so it'll just be interesting to see how that kind of plays out out over yeah. time. But it was funny. I don't want to spend Absolutely. a lot of time on it and create unnecessary drama or bore no, listeners. No, no. But I did notice it, and and Scal did a good job of not you know letting it show too much but if you just mm-hmm. if you were really paying attention and listening to the two you could you could kind of hear how that happened so it was very interesting well, and, and I, at least you give scout credit too because it, it's one thing to be the guy mike has a, a good setup or he's 50 percent. you know he's kind of, kind of working with both and so he's been able to kind of make make it work with both guys for Scal to be able to jump in, and now he's got to be the veteran guy, effectively on the on the team. I thought he did a great job, and just to to put a bow on the whole thing, I'm an I'm a very hard grader when it comes to this. I am I do not you know Mike Garman is the gold standard, you know, and so for someone else to walk into that TV job and to step into it and me not spend this entire show railing on them, that, it probably deserves a 10 out of 10, to be honest, rather than a seven or eight. But I think he, I think he did a fine job. And, uh, that's, 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 I'm not saying that's saying something coming from me, you know, noted media critic, but, um, I would not be afraid to rip it. Rip it is the fact that nobody that the fact that that game, which was a very fun game, we're going to talk about it in just a second. But the fact that that game on Twitter didn't become about Kyle and Scal tells you that because you know we're a critical bunch and uh, Mm -hmm. we've all been attuned 
to Mike and Tommy. So there you go. And even Scal, to your point about Kyle, has made has fared uh, quite well considering he's been following in Tommy's footsteps as you know on those away games, etc. So uh, hats off to both of them. You can follow the Celtic stuff live. You can follow the Celtic stuff live, John, on Twitter at CSL underscore tweet live. You can follow your ho- it's the Celtic stuff live now. Oh, I like the that. In front. You can follow the We're Celtic important. stuff live. We're important. You, you can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media. The Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans. And download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. And finally, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS Media for high definition, full length locker room interviews and the garden report. So, John, we didn't have a show last week due to Thanksgiving holiday and just taking some time with the families. So during that, there was a rather large streak that was broken. I thought the letdown game was going to be Dallas. Turns out it was Miami. And then they bounce back with a home and away and get right on the saddle. Totally blow them out on the first at home, giving themselves some rest to then play this game against Indiana. And... You know, there were a couple of faces. You want to talk about depth. We thought depth was going to be an issue. So second game of a home and away. It's the away game. They're on the road. Thank goodness for the blowout the night before. But they're missing Marcus Morris and Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart goes into the starting lineup. And yet they still tag on another win. So anybody who thought that that loss to Miami breaking the streak was finally showing the fool's gold that is the Boston Celtics. I think that home and away back to back just put that all to rest and said, nope, they're here for real. Yeah. I, well, you know, and it, well, the one thing that the takeaway from the Miami game to me was, as you said, I think the, the Dallas game took a lot out of them. Every game that they play against Dallas and they play against Carl Allen's, you know, specifically that dude is a wizard, man. I don't care what he does. I don't care who he's coaching. He can be coaching, you know, a third grade. You know, travel team and they go up against the Celtics. Dude's going to find a way to get, to get something going. Uh, he's, he is amazing. So when they were going to Dallas, I was, that was the game, as you said, that was the game we were concerned with. We had done a show. We were spent the whole time probably praising Dallas. Um, but, but then they take that and they go on and, and, you know, really do well in a couple of different instances. I thought the Miami game was really them being tired. Um, I thought there was fatigue. I know Brad's saying there's no fatigue. I'm not buying that. I think there is fatigue. I think I don't know if it's fatigue from the streak, but just fatigue in general. And then to come back from that, and, and I thought it was the first game, too, where they had a target on their back. And everyone in that arena in, in Miami was gunning for the Boston Celtics. And that was an unfamiliar place to be. And I thought that they didn't respond well to that. They weren't perfect. Uh, they obviously got down, which is what they do. And they fought back, which is what they do. And it wasn't enough because they didn't play perfect basketball, uh, which they had been able to do in coming back in those bigger deficits. Then fast forward here to, to Saturday night's game in Indiana. I thought there was that same energy going through uh, the first half of that game. Indiana really was interested in, in taking it to the Celtics. There was a, a, a crowd that was not full, fully capacity, but, but certainly – well, well stocked crowd that was pretty amped to beat the Celtics. And they too put a target on the Celtics back. And they but, had a streak going. So they had something they that they were kind of trying to ride. They did. 
And they've got that and chip on their shoulder from the Paul George trade, and yep. Oladipo wasn't—he wasn't able to play in that game, correct? That's no, why. No, they're undergunned. Like we, like we the both teams are undergunned. So I'm almost interested to see how that will play out again in a future matchup with both teams being healthy. But it was interesting to see Lance Stevenson just try to take over that game offensively. There was a super fun game, and one of the things I noticed, at least in the early on, that I need to pay a little bit more closer attention to. I think it was because Marcus Smart was in the starting lineup instead of Jalen Brown that it really stood out to me. But they're constantly rotating a double. Have, have they been doing yeah. that all season and I just weren't wasn't paying attention? Or did they no. legitimately do that a lot more at the beginning of that Indiana game? Yeah, I think that was I think that was a wrinkle that McMillan that uh, you know Nate McMillan was kind of throwing at him. I hadn't seen a lot of they were doing more doubles of Kyrie certainly early on. No, uh, I mean vice then, versa. I'm talking about the Celtics. Oh, the Celtics throwing a double. They were throwing no, a lot of doubles, no matter who the ball handler was yeah. early no, on. I didn't notice that. And the reason I noticed is I think Jalen more or less plays like free safety, you know what I mean, in shadows, and then will come up and challenge. Whereas in this game, I felt like they were always throwing that second body. And when the ball started to rotate from side to side with Indiana – that the players would just then shift their double to the middle and then to the right and then back all the way around to the left. And it was just – that's that to me is the defensive versatility that we've talked about by having all of these players that are long and athletic. But they were un, you know downmanned or undermanned in that game. And so to, to see that, I think it was just the personnel that made it stand out. Maybe they did it a little bit more aggressively or – you know, put the put the doubles up a little bit more in their mug. I didn't see it as much in the second half as it stood out obvious to me in the first half, but I thought it was interesting. And the the, the thought did occur to me that there was something about the way Jalen engaged in the defense that way that made it not quite as obvious as it was. Yeah, and I don't know if that was it was a matchup with personnel and seeing you know outside of you know Lance and and Collison really not having a lot of ball handlers out there, so really trying to push it into a into a bad matchup where um, you know you have the double and as long as you're not doubling off somebody who can't shoot, which Collison isn't a good shooter, Lance is a very streaky shooter, um, Bogdanovich obviously a good shooter, Turner a good shooter, um, you had a little bit more space you could give a guy like Thad Young. Maybe that was just personnel based. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I thought because they had Tyson the, Smart in the starting lineup, and that right. was a total wrinkle. I think a lot of people expected Baines, and when I was watching the beginning, I thought, yeah. well, I get it. The bench wow. needed a little bit of help. You know, maybe the the bench needed that veteran presence, but I, I'm not sure that that's no. the case actually. No, yeah, I think Tyson was the right idea. I mean, because you got the length. That you, in terms of a matchup with Thad, you got the length, and, but you've also got the quickness, you know, and you're not going to take a, take an L on that because, you know, you're giving up something. I mean, he's, Tice is, is going to be able to stay with Thad Young and, and, and keep that matchup to a minimum. And then, you know, basically you're, you're Horford, you know, going with Turner that it kind of even up on both sides. So. Did you notice uh, Tice totally when there was a play? where he was going up to dunk. I think Kyrie set it up. It was either Kyrie or Smart. And they set it up, and it was looking really good. And he got um, blocked yeah. by Thaddeus yeah. Young. Yeah. And it was so obvious that if he had just gone to the left hand and let the rim be his protector, that he could yeah. have laid that off the glass. Instead, he went up aggressive yeah. and got blocked. And I thought, you know, that's that's a – 
that's not a play that you usually see a Euro make, right? The Euro guys are usually the ones that are going to let it lay up off the glass and, and do that kind of smart, savvy thing. And I thought, that's interesting from a Euro. I would have expect the lead, expected well, to lay in off the glass. But maybe it's because there aren't many guys in, in Euro League balls that can elevate like that young did too. You know, maybe that's, he's the guy who's able to do those quick, those quick twitch maneuvers and he's not used to somebody, you know, coming over to help. And being able to elevate and get up and meet him at the rim, uh, quite like that. That's the only thing I could think of, you know. That's um, probably, a, I, that's probably a good thought. Be, yeah. So it's I, a learning know, I, experience for Tice. I think he'll make the adjustment yeah. and, and it's not really a big deal. And it's a very light criticism because I yeah. think we've gotten a lot more out of Tice than we oh. thought we would. And legitimately Ridiculous. he deserved an opportunity to start. I don't think he answered the call the same way that Marcus Smart did, but we're going to go. We're going to do yeah, a, a commercial before we talk about smart. So that's how we'll lead into the second half. But I want to add in one other thing before we, before we do uh, talk about our sponsor is the fact that I remember at the very beginning of the season, I was getting questions about, do you think Nader is going to get an opportunity? I think he's in the rotation. He should get minutes. And I said, I really just don't think we're going to see Nader get a lot of minutes this season unless we really have an issue with injuries. And certainly, that injury that kicked off the year made me think, oh, he might get some spot minutes. But, boy, does he ever look like a recurrence of James Young and Jordan Mickey out there. I just am like, what? And uh, it's unfortunate. I don't think he has this stuff. I'll be honest with you, John. It's a nice depth guy, great story, light up the D-League. But I don't yeah. think he's going to be – I mean, already Semi Ojolet looks far more ready to be at this level. Well, it's, I, I, you know, we saw Nader, uh, in summer league two years ago, just as Mickey had, um, light it up and really parlayed that into, um, a red, a red clause deal. And then, uh, what ended up being a four year deal that he signed. Um, I mean, obviously not all that's guaranteed, but a four year deal that he signed here this summer. So I, I think Nader, I'd love to say that this is, He's, he's getting his opportunities and should be taking advantage of his opportunities and he's not able to do that right now. Uh, I'd love to see him get a chance to go back down to, to Maine. I don't know that they can do that with the depth they have, but I'd like to see him try to get some confidence. I think clearly it's a confidence issue. When he played free and easy two years ago in summer league, he was, he was a monster. I mean, he, he could do everything. Um, he's having a hard time right now with everything. Everything is going wrong. And that just it feels like How a How about that one play when he kind of was coming in from the left side and just got swallowed up and it was so obvious he should have yes. kicked the ball out and yeah. had opportunity to kick it out and thought he was going to make like this Lance Stevenson style move that just was not happening. No, I you know, I there's there's a lot of uh Nader hate <laughs> on the Twitter. Um, and look, he's not playing well right now, but the guy I saw play in summer league is a guy they need. So if he can tap into that, if he can start to, to feel good about what he's doing, if something can click for him, it'll work. I just, I see this happen so often. You and I have talked about it a lot on this show in the past. I mean, look at Avery Bradley, his first year here. And you know, we, you, you know, we were talking about, is he a point guard? Is he not a point guard? How does he, how does he crack? How does he become a player? And eventually he found something, they found something he was good at and, and harassing the ball carrier. And before you know it, he, he kind that triggered into something else, into something else, and then he became a complete player. And we see him, you know, against the Detroit Pistons here uh, on Monday night, 
we're going to see a completely different guy than the guy we saw not really able to even look like a basketball player. So, you know, I don't think it's a question whether he can or can't. It's a question whether he's going to take the opportunities he has and turn them into something and in Nader. And I think he can, but he's, he's the only one that can do it. And so it's a mental thing. I think he'll get there. Um, there's a lot of guys who are probably less talented him and are playing fine because they figured out how to make themselves successful. He's going to do the same thing. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about Marcus Smart. But first, listen up, Hoops fans. Basketball season, as you know, is back and underway. We're a quarter of the way through. And now that your favorite hardwood heroes have returned to action, it's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test and win huge cash prizes every night playing one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. Choose from public contests with huge cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends. They've even got bigger and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. The best part, you get to draft a new team each and every single day, and drafting is arguably the best part of fantasy. The only thing better? Winning cash doing it. Just ask Dan from St. Louis or Jeremy from Austin. They both turned a $3 entry into a 1000 bucks. Huge cash prizes and bragging rights await only at DraftKings. And if as a loyal listener of this show, you use the code CLNS at DraftKings.com, free with your first deposit for your share of $10,000 in total prizes. That's tonight. Don't wait. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com now to choose your lineup, and you can seriously cash in. That's code CLNS at DraftKings.com, the game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. John, let's talk about Marcus Smart. I'm excited because I like (laughs) seeing him in the starting lineup. I know one game of poise and shooting confidence does not a player make, and you and I are maybe not not really objective in being in his camp at all times unwaveringly. But I unabashed. do think he's unabashed. He takes a lot of the ball handling pressure off of Kyrie as well, which I think helps Kyrie save that energy for all of those smooth, slick, just silky. Way. I just don't understand the head fakes, the pumps, the change in, in direction or tempo to be able to find his way to the rim. And I think having somebody like Marcus at the two, now that Hayward is injured, Gives, uh, gives him a little bit of relief so that he's got plenty left in the tank to close out games, much in a similar fashion to Isaiah Thomas last year, except Isaiah didn't have the help. I'm almost thinking he might need to stay there. And I know at the beginning of the year, I was arguing against that and saying they needed a guy that was going to be on the bench, that was going to be able to set up the offense for the bench units, but the bench has been a surprise to me. And Terry Rozier has absolutely provided instant offense, lights out from beyond the arc. I think now is the time where we can say, you know what, Marcus can move into that starting lineup. I'd actually rather see Marcus Morris in on that second unit because he's actually shown a propensity to get those kinds of buckets, those hard-to-get buckets. And I think that whatever dip they have in playmaking ability or you know, having a more of a floor general out there to set up the uh, offense, I think it's actually better to have Morris on that bench unit. So I'd almost like to see Smart and Brown and Tatum and Horford and uh, and along with Kyrie. I think that would be 
probably the ideal way to move forward in my mind. I know it'll always be based on matchups, but I think you get what I what I'm saying. Yeah, and have and have basically Brown be more of a, a three in that case, you know. Um, well, it you know, I think that's their best lineup overall. I mean, I think there's more. There's times more makes sense in, in that group instead of maybe one of those guys. There's times when when Baines makes more sense in that group, but I think. Consistently, I think that's their best five, uh, truthfully. Uh, I think that's been their closing lineup the defense, on a lot of nights too. The defense, yeah. the game winning plays. I yeah. just think, and, and really it doesn't impact their ability to switch at all. I think, yeah. as a matter of fact, when they do switch, it throws a different look at the offensive player when they do get Marcus Smart instead of a Jalen Brown as the defender. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think in terms of their best lineup, I'd agree. Um, I'm not sure if I would make that switch permanent. I think I'd prefer Smart probably as the sixth man. Um, the challenge with Marcus, I think, is really, I think if you, if you pull him more with starting, more with that type of lineup, who is going to be doing the playmaking in the second unit? And I really don't see, that Terry's that guy. I don't think Terry's kind of figured that that part of his game out yet. I agree with I'm that. Sure but that, similar to those sure rotations, Horford's out there a lot with them, and so much of the offense can run through them. Um, Larkin, if you need, if you're really struggling, yeah. But, but it's yeah. the defense that this team has exhibited across the board from top to bottom that right. has really wound up. I mean, look at the way that second unit. Uh, was it the first night of the back-to-back or was it India? It was. It was the first night of the back-to-back. Look at the way that that second unit just totally hunkered down in the third quarter. And, uh, you know, or maybe that was Indiana. I'm getting confused. But, uh, yeah. but the second unit, the way that they've locked down on defense has not, it's allowed them to go through some of those scoring droughts without giving up the lead. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think, the offense is probably where my focus is right now. I think that's the that's the the Achilles heel right now. This team, um, I think, just about any lineup they're going to throw out there is going to be good defensively. Honestly, I, I I feel like unlocking a guy like Smart in a game against the Pacers um, when they really needed that guy, they needed him to step up. Uh, and and thankfully, we've been able to have Rozier kind of step up in his shooting. He'd been a, he had been a, other than the first few games, he had really kind of struggled a little bit. So it was kind of difficult to uh, to see what was to see how they were going to progress as a second unit. And you know, even Ojale was making some shots against the Pacers. So it kind of opened up all those guys. Kind of opened up everything. Uh, but to me, how do you unlock Smart? How do you get Smart's offense going? Um, He's always going to be the the fifth or sixth you know option. Uh, no one, I'm not saying in, in a team sense on it when on the court, but you know you you don't want to go through him. He is your worst shooter, but you need him to shoot. And we had a lot of people last week saying, well, you know, he shouldn't be shooting. No, he has to shoot. They need him to be a threat, even if he's made, even if he's two for eleven from three as he was last week. Um, I think the the Dallas game perhaps. You have to have him shoot that. You have to have him be a threat. I mean, we remember the days when, when Rondo was out there and he wouldn't shoot the ball in those instances and it, and it gummed up the entire offense. You have to take the shot. You have to make him a threat. The, the, the trick is, I think to your point, what's the best way to unlock him? Do you unlock him by having a lot of guys who could score on the floor with him kind of as, as, which would be in that kind of starting unit or would he unlock better maybe in that second unit? Whereas he's doing more of the playmaking, maybe more of the ball handling, 
but there may be not be as much space for him to work. Um, you know, I feel like offensively he needs might be throw that first unit. Yeah, but he he needs that space, and unit. because part of it is part of it's the passing, right? His ability, like look at how many times he fed Tice and Baines on drives to the rim, and he was like a little looping pass over the defender that would just land in their hands, and then they would just lay it right in. It's so simple, so easy. He's got real not only court vision, but he's got a great sense of timing. And I think that that's where he can take so much off of Kyrie Irving, let Kyrie work off the ball, maybe even give more effort on defense. And I think we have seen and have acknowledged on this show previously the uptick in defensive commitment and ability on Kyrie's part. But I think that that just, I think that helps uh, uh, so much because outside of the two man game with Horford, how much reprieve does Kyrie really get with the ball handling? Nobody else really sets up the offense. As great as, you know, Tatum is with the ball in his hands, it's typically more of an ISO kind of scenario. And that doesn't really, you're not going to, that's not going to present itself every time down the floor. I mean, Tatum has been really lights out. Probably the worst game he's played on the season was Indiana. Just he wasn't quite finishing as much and, there were some missteps there, but he's he's been incredible. And, and really, his ability to get around guys with that long first step and then his hands, he gets that ball up by the rim to lay off the glass. Like, I just – it's amazing yeah. what he's been able to do. And they need to exploit that more. And I think yes. Smart, having the ball in his hands, helps that too because they can run that two-man game with Horford and Kyrie, but then they can show a completely different look where Smart's trying to feed some of the bigs. And then at the same time, you could set up Jalen and Tatum to try and attack and just go right up the gut. And I just think that gives them so many different looks. I, I think that's, I think you're exactly right. I think that that's the, that's the evolution. And we talked about it a month ago, I think on the show is like, how do you get more into Tatum's hands? Like I, every game I watch and I see, I want to see more. I want to, I want them, I want to see them give more to him, give more opportunities because he's basically catch and shoot and, um, or driving closeouts. He's, his offense right now, what they ask him to do is basically the same package they were giving Jay Crowder, you know, and obviously he is a much more accomplished offensive player than that. I'd like to see them give him more to do. Um, and, and maybe a move of, of having more smart minutes with that starting unit. And they're already pulling Tatum first, but I feel like when he's going in, they're not really looking for him in that second unit is enough. I'd like to see them really put more on his shoulders. And I don't know why that is. I don't know why they've, they've chosen not to do that, but to me, that's where this team's success could best, you know, basically take, <laughs> this is crazy to say, Basically, take what you were going to have Hayward do with that second unit and give him some of those responsibilities. Um, I think he has more help around him than we thought Hayward was going to have. But I think that's exactly the type of situation we'd like to see is put him in that second unit, but give him the keys. Because right now it feels like they put him in in that spot, but I don't feel like the offense is being run to take advantage of those things. 
Yeah, I agree, and I don't think that they developed the offense that way. They're kind of learning along the way. I don't think that this team expected Tatum to be able to contribute so much on offense, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I don't think that they intended on putting that on him. I think they figured when he's out there with the second unit, or maybe even initially they thought he would be to start the year, especially with the Hayward being healthy, that he would get some spot starts. But I don't think they thought he was going to just anchor into that unit with Jalen the way that those two have. They knew. I think we all knew if we really thought about it closely, that Jalen was going to be in the starting lineup and not Marcus Smart. But if they did put him in the lineup, meaning both Smart and Jalen, you know, that would mean a kind of a smaller lineup and they'd shift down a little bit. I don't think that they thought Tatum would be in there the way that he is. And a lot of that is probably due to the Hayward injury, but I think they would have played him at the four, if not the three anyhow. And even Hayward could have played a little bit at the four in those smaller lineups. So... I think it's evolving, and I think that's, you know, again, why I say smart, because I just think having another playmaker out there helped diversify it. I, I, they're so good at that two-man game between Horford and Kyrie oh that they are going to be dangerous in the playoffs. That's exactly the kind of offense that you need to be able to run in the postseason while everybody else is supplying, you know, really strong defense. But on top of that... The other thing that I'll say is that they still need to have other creative ways to generate offense. And if they got stuck in that two-man game, I can see the more experienced postseason teams being able to to shut that down a little bit. I mean, Kyrie is incredible. The things that he's doing is amazing. And the playoff format where you get a break off in between every game will certainly be conducive to him pulling it off. But I also think it's going to take its toll. And I don't think it's going to be as easy for him when they get into the postseason. So that's where I see the advantage of having like Smart and Tatum out on the floor. Give Tatum more responsibility, build up his confidence, and then get Marcus out there to help make sure that that offense keeps flowing and that they can swing it to the other side real easily. Um, and if you want a cure of the offense, more playmaking one of the stats that came out, I think it was Jay King had it in his write-up, and maybe it was after the Orlando game on Friday. I can't remember exactly when, but he had asked Brad Stevens about the passing statistics because they really weren't as high as they were last year, which actually seems surprising to me because I felt like this year the offense was much more versatile and that they were kind of sharing the load instead of just putting it all on Isaiah's lap. And yet, statistically, this team doesn't move the ball as much. So if that is something that is correlated with the downtick in offense, like you said, that's what you're mostly concerned about, John, then I would think having somebody who can facilitate, who can pass, who has that great sense of timing, and who doesn't really need to shoot the ball as far as like what Marcus needs to be effective, I, I can only see that as positive for this uh, starting unit in the offense. I, You know, I think... He's going to have to make those shots, uh, the shots, the type of shots he was making last night to be able to, to play those minutes, I think, in the playoffs. I think that he is, uh, certainly we've seen that he knows how to, you know, impact a game without scoring. But, you know, as we saw against, you know, the Bulls last year, you know, you need as many shooters sometimes in the playoffs as you could possibly get. So if he's able to shoot, not at that level. Seven from eight is probably unrealistic for Marcus. But if he's shooting, you know, if he's getting four to eight, if he's shooting four of the, you know, half of those shots to go down, um, that's, that's all they need. They just need him to be a threat out there. They need him to be able to, you know, to get a couple buckets, you know, in a quarter and, and, and that, 
that kind of you know holds the dogs off a little bit and and causes them to be able to do some other things with Kyrie on the floor. You know, with um, all those other players, it might open up more consistent spots where he gets open versus being on the second unit where he's trying to create all the time. And that yeah. could really help that he That's just true. finds a two or three key areas that he shoots from consistently in the way that teams generally play defense against them in the way that the offense is usually going to run when he's in there with the starters. I mean, I can just see it simplifying mm-hmm. and having some real positive benefits for him that way too. No, I think that's a great call. I think you're right. That there is some um that higher level of basketball IQ around him really just helps him um uh, to find his spots a little bit better. I think that the biggest thing for him though is is just finding his own kind of sense of when to shoot, when to drive, when to you know, those are the things that he's gotta figure out as a player, you know, just in the NBA and it's just that's been a little bit of a slower uh adjustment period for him. So hopefully this is gonna be a you know a season where he can find that now about round with more accomplished players around him where he'll finally be able to figure that out no matter who he's sharing the floor with when to be able to be that guy who's driving to the line and, and driving to the basket to get to the line uh and when really he needs to to be a shooter out there and and you know causing the defense to have to uh, pay when he's uh he's shooting it especially when the shot clock's dying down because that's when he's most dangerous. <laughs> that is. There's no doubt. And he's always willing to hoist it up. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right. So we got a great set of games on tap this week. We've got to wrap the show, but um, your Boston Celtics are in first place. Who'd have thought? And especially the depth. It's really remarkable. Brad Stevens has really put something uh, together here on the floor, and Danny Ainge has drafted remarkably. What a turnaround, and what a surprise. What a pleasant surprise. So we'll be back in a week. I hope everybody is enjoying this beginning to the holiday season. It's a nice time of year. I hope everybody enjoys it with family and friends. And this broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media mobile app. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at CSL underscore Justin, and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. Remember that you can can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to another edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.